ready. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. To the Outstanding Ohioan Show. Thank you for the Outstanding Ohioan Show. Hosted by my daddy. Hosted by my daddy. Thank you, Ryan and Sawyer, for that great introduction to the Outstanding Ohioan Show, where I believe that Ohioans are doing great things to make their communities, their state, their region, and their world a better place through their contributions, and I believe it's my job to help share those stories whenever possible. Thank you for tuning in and to enjoy today's episode. Hello, thank you for tuning in to the Outstanding Ohioan Show. My name is Ron Silico. Today I've got a very special guest who I've had the pleasure of reconnecting with after over 20 years. Uh, we went to the same high school together. Uh, you're behind me in school. Uh, he, obviously, he looks about 10 years younger than I do, but fortunately the audience can't see the video. Uh, but Nick Petro, and he's here to talk about what he's doing with his life. He's a well-known life coach, speaker, and author, and he runs the Nick Petro Company out of Encetus, California, which is close to San Diego. Nick, I hope I didn't butcher where you're living, but I'm sure you'll correct me. Nick, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Ron. Man, it's so good to reconnect after all these years. I really appreciate that. you taking the time and having me on today. Oh, absolutely. And it is... It's Encinitas, but you did butcher it, but you were, you were pretty close. We'll not, let that one slide. Yeah, yeah, not bad for someone who's never been there, right? Not yet, anyways, right? Correct. Right. <laughs> uh, so Nick's doing some great work, and I came, I came acquainted with it uh, on Facebook when he was talking about some of the book signing events he, he's been going to in, in, in a new book, which he, we're going to talk about here today. Uh, later on in the show, but Nick, if you could for the audience, just give a little bit of background on, on your journey to where you ended up today. Yeah, thanks, Ron. Um, well, as you know, we, I grew up in a, in Ohio near Cleveland, and um, so big, big Ohio fan. However, um, back after I graduated from college, uh, I was teaching high school and coaching basketball and soccer on the west side of Cleveland in Lorraine. And then I had kind of bounced into uh, doing big fundraising events in Cleveland and, and all to raise money through charity for inner city kids so they can get scholarships in the, in the schools around the Cleveland uh, metropolitan area. Um, and then I spent the next year, so this was in the year 2000, in Westlake, Ohio, again on the west side of Cleveland, there were two kind of flailing youth ministries, and I had interviewed for the job. I knew one of the, uh, the parish priests and they kind of, they wanted to have one area youth group and kind of combine two churches. And then the first time that they had ever attempted to do that. And so I was like, yeah, I, I can figure out how to do that. So I started the, the way group, which is the Westlake area youth group that still exists today only because I put good leadership in place, a parent committee and really strong young adults to, to help facilitate that and connected with a lot of the community leaders uh, to kind of um, uh, local businesses, the police department, and different other leaders in the community to make sure that that youth group had a presence in the community. And it was then, literally, I had a friend out in California, you know that cloud that kind of hovers over the, the Midwest for about six months, <laughs> maybe that's like five or six days of sunshine in? Yes. Uh well, it had been about four months, and I hadn't seen any sunshine. And I had a friend out in San Diego 
said, hey, why don't you come out and visit? And I'd never been to San Diego, but I always heard the ocean kind of calling my name, you know, from afar. <laughs> so I hopped on a plane and with two other classmates of mine, and I spent a week in San Diego. That Sunday, we were flying back to Ohio. On Monday, I quit my job. Hmm. Three weeks later, almost to the day, I landed in San Diego with no money in my account, literally with just living on credit and said, I'm going to make this work. And here we are in 2018, still making it work. <laughs> but it was then that I realized um, that there was more to life, that there was an adventure out there, that there was a way to really tap into my purpose and my passion anywhere. I didn't, and um, for me, I went right back into youth ministry out here for the first three years at a church um, in Scripps Ranch in, in San Diego. And since then, I've been involved in fellowship of Christian athletes or Young Life, a lot of Christian youth organizations. I also then, um, I wrote a book in 2010, and I had started a, a youth organization to help youth realize their purpose and passion at a younger age. I saw that a lot of these concepts were available for adults, but they weren't necessarily available for youth, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, goal setting and, and just different life lessons and skills. To, anyway, so I traveled as a speaker for a, a few years and did a lot of um, motivational speaking and um, leadership seminars and conferences and so forth. So working with youth has always been near and dear to my heart. And the one thing I was always really able to do was to kind of bridge that communication gap between youth and parents. And I've kind of been doing it ever since. Neat. Uh, something I wanted you to speak of, Nick, because you, you're you a solid character person, but that that's not just because of the things you've read and the things you've learned personally, and, and you talked about it in your, your book a little bit. Talk about some of the major influences in your life and the impact that they made on you positively. Thank you, Ron. Uh, well, you're one of them. I think we have to say that, right? No, we don't. No. <laughs> <laughs> but very kind. <clears throat> no, and uh, that, that is a great question. There's been a lot of mentors in my life, a lot of people that I've really aspired and looked up to. And there is literally a vast array of those individuals. And they are from when I was in high school, upperclassmen, and people that um, showed leadership and strong character and integrity. And, um, you know, through college, I had a, a few really good professors, um, and one professor in particular was more like a, a spiritual advisor for me. And being very extroverted and sports-oriented and um, kind of, you know, kind of involved in a lot of activities, I always had a philanthropy side to me, too. I always had a heart for the homeless. I always had a heart for... The unspoken. I always had a heart for people that, um, you know, their voice wasn't being heard. I always had a heart for just serving and um, having that spiritual advisor in college was really the one person in particular, uh, Father Richard Davis, that was able to help me kind of navigate through all the chaos and all the confusion. And, and uh, yeah, I did my fair share of partying, <laughs> did my fair share of screwing up. And, um, but he was always there for me when I fell down and kind of picked me back up. 
It was after I graduated from college that I really learned about Tony Robbins and this world that um, existed to help us become the best version of ourselves. And that was a foreign concept to me. I had, like I said, great mentors and, and people in my life. It was really when I heard Tony Robbins that challenged everything that I was, I was complacent with, that challenged my thought process, that challenged how to achieve things in my life that I really wanted and inspired to be and inspired to do and take risk. And um, you have to have thick skin when you're an author, thick skin when you're a speaker. You have to really thick skin when you're making yourself vulnerable in front of even more than two or three people. Uh, when you're sharing a stage with four or 500 people and even thousands of people, there's, um, you know, most people would rather die than public speak. And that's something that always came natural to me. But it was really, like I said, Tony Robbins and Mark Victor Hansen, listening to Zig Ziglar, uh, Brian Tracy, just adapt, and Jack Canfield, the success principles, and, um, uh, you know, Dan Millman, uh, the life you were born to live. And uh, there's it's just been a tutelage of kind of people that I've aspired to look up to. But through that all, the one person, aside from my mother, the one person that's always been there for me, it's been my biggest advocate, and the person that I truly believe has extremely strong character that's always been deep-rooted in integrity and somebody I've always truly inspired to be like and to have a family life is my father. Hmm. My father is very humble. He worked at LTV Steel. He, you know, as a, he was in the computer industry as a database administrator. I didn't like computers. I didn't like anything to do with any of the industry that he was in. He worked at LTV Steel right there in Cleveland as well as a database administrator. Um, uh, he sacrificed so much for our family. He sacrificed, uh, you know, switching shifts so that he could make our basketball games. He was always there in the stands at my soccer games, basketball games, baseball games, all the way through college. He'd drive two hours and surprise me and, and just be there. Um, and he's always been a support, an anchor, and somebody that I can always confide in. <clears throat> and having somebody like that in your life, whether it's your father, a best friend, a mentor, a coach, um, can really make the difference in somebody's life. And it's funny, I never really thought about it like that, but I think he's the reason that I got into coaching, just the way that he modeled fatherhood. And that's why I've always had a heart for people that haven't had a voice or that just need a little inspiration in their life. And by and large, it's usually because their father isn't in the picture or their father isn't um, in their life to help them with the life skills and communication skills and executive functioning skills and the things that I kind of teach. That's great. When people are coaching, everyone's got an own their own personal definition of what that means. How, how do you define coaching? Two things. One, earn the right to be heard by, number two, meeting them where they're at. In coaching, it's more listening. It's being attentive being available, it's being honest, and then that approach, when you do that, you really put yourself um, 
almost in an empathetic, you don't feel sorry for the person. You empathize with them. It means meeting them where they're at. And then you just hope that, <laughs> you know, your experience or the experience of other people that have shown success in those areas that you're able to guide that individual into making those right decisions uh, that are based around integrity and character and, and strong values. And, you know, I, I think there's a lot of coaches that um, lead somebody else's life the way that they intend their life to be led. And like I said, my, I primarily worked with youth, you know, over the course of 20, the last 20 years. And the youth demographic is significantly different than coaching somebody in their you know, in their young adult life or even in their adult life. And mm-hmm. I've successfully been able to transfer um, those two important uh, ways of coaching from youth all the way to, uh, I've coached people in their 70s before. and But I still 100% um, each and every time go back to those two principles. Those are great principles. Uh, something you were talking about earlier and um, a word that resonates with me tremendously is the word legacy. I was sharing with you at the beginning, you know, one of the purposes I had for this podcast was to introduce my sons to just people that are doing great things in the world in a wide variety of endeavors. Uh, at the risk of getting too personal, you mentioned your dad and your mom in legacy. Um, your younger brother, I think, has got a special legacy and what you're doing with and how he inspires you today. Would you be able to share that story? I'd be honored. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to, when we talk about legacy, um, not enough people talk about legacy. I don't. <laughs> right? No. And, and I think when people take a moment to think about their own legacy, uh, most often people aren't happy or satisfied with where they're currently at, and that could be a driving force to do something, and do something better, and put other people before yourself, and Ron, I just, I admire you for this podcast and the legacy that you're leaving for your, for your children, and with my brother in particular, uh, my brother was two years younger than me, and we were best friends all the way growing up and we, you know, we had bunk beds. We shared the <laughs> same bed, you know, for years as a kid and uh, back when water beds were popular, remember back, oh, back yes. in the day? <laughs> and um, we got the super wavy one that way I could jump on it and shoot them off, you know, into the wall. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> yeah, we went to the same school, went to the same, um, to Buckeye Junior High and high school and, and in college we... I went to the Franciscan University of Steubenville in, in southeastern Ohio, and two years later, my brother followed suit, and there he was um, for the first year. And we really were we were best friends; we were super close. And it was his sophomore year, second semester, that he uh, left the university and went to Cleveland State, and that's where he finished his degree. And, and really, it was a pivotal point in his life. And it was, a, I was an, a, his biggest fan at that point. Up until then, I felt he 
kind of lived a lot vicariously through me. And at that point, he said, all right, I have to find my own way and decided to leave the university, go to Cleveland State. And he really found his footing. He found his own voice. And I admired him tremendously for that. He got married and, and had his life <coughs> there in Cleveland. And at one point, he decided, much like I did, when I went to California, he took a position. He wanted to see what was out there. He wanted an adventure. He wanted to move out of Ohio. And he went to uh, the great state of Texas. And he landed in Houston and had a really, just really great opportunity with, uh, with Cameron, which is an oil company. Anyways, fast forward, he met, <clears throat> he met a, a, a woman, Sylvia, and, and they were dating, and, and Corey, on his way home from work one day, he felt dizzy. He felt just like something was off, and he couldn't really, uh, his vision was getting a little blurred, and he pulled over to the side of the road and was on the phone with his, uh, with his girlfriend and or fiance at the time and said, hey, so I, I'm having difficulty seeing, and... I'm not sure what's going on. And she said, well, hang up and call the emergency, you know, call the paramedics and call 911. And he did, and the ambulance arrived. And it turns out he had had a seizure <clears throat> while he was driving right then, but had he was cognizant enough to pull over the side of the road. When the paramedics arrived, he had had another seizure. So they rushed him to the emergency room, and he had had another seizure. So he had three seizures. That amount of time, he had never had a seizure before in his entire life, ever. Um, and there were really no signs that anything was wrong with him. He was healthy. He lifted. He worked out a lot. He played. He was an amazing golfer. He um, played basketball. He played a lot of um, uh, racquetball. He was just very active. He was an amazing man. And anyways, all that to say, this was very out of the blue. It was something that just hit him. Um, on that fifth day, our whole family had flown into Houston because he had to go into emergency brain surgery. His brain had swollen so much from a tumor um, that had just kind of grown and kind of taken over. And so he had emergency brain surgery. Over the course of the next six years, and he was 30 years old, over the course of the next six years, um, well, in that first year, actually, he... Ended up getting engaged to his girlfriend, um, or I think that they had gotten engaged, and then they got married, and he had to make a decision whether or not, in his state, if he was going to bring a life into the world. And they decided, yeah, let's, let's do this. He never knew if he would have one day more to live, and he said, I'm going to live life to the fullest. And so, you know, marrying Sylvia, they had a beautiful daughter, Lily, and that's my brother's legacy is that he was able to bring a beautiful girl into the world um, and just loving. And over the course of the next six years, he had had three brain surgeries. He had about four years of chemo. He had radiation. He was treated at MD Anderson in Houston, one of the best facilities in the world. And still, God had a bigger plan for him. And we lost, Corey was, uh, he had passed on October 10th, 2015, and, of course, that day will, I'll forever remember, but I mention him um, in my book, and I dedicated my book and a lot of what, how I look at life to the way that he lived life. He lived every day, never complained. He was always in pain. He was very confused at the, just the 
trauma that he endured made, if anybody looked at him or knew him, made your character stronger. It made you want to live life to its fullest. It made you want to sacrifice. It made you want to be better. And that's the legacy that my brother lived. And he left. Um, and that's the legacy that I aspire to leave. Um, I can only live a, a fraction of, of what he endured, but I'm trying to live and leave a legacy that <clears throat> if it reached one person to be better than they see themselves, then I feel like my legacy you know, will live on. Um, and hopefully through this book and some of the, the principles that are embedded within this that my brother lived every day can inspire people to, to do the same. Thanks for sharing that. That's an incredible story. Thank you, Adam. Yeah. yeah. My pleasure. Yeah, for sure. Um, so diving into the book, so it's called The Seven Pillars That Bridge Communication Between Youth and Parents. Um, I, I'd like, I like your acronym, Bridges, and if you could, you know, if you just briefly break down what those seven pillars are, and I'm very curious to I, just talking to you, I, I know you've done an immense amount of study and research, and you cited some very well-known, great, great, great authors and such previously. What was your process for developing these seven pillars, and how did you, how, what, what day did you just land on that and, and, and go from there? <laughs> well, the bridges is an acronym, and it stands for balance, respect, integrity, discovery, gratitude, empathy, and self-esteem. And I arrived at that acronym only <laughs> when I was, um, I met with a team called Owl House Creative. They're a, a local friends of mine that do branding and video production and photography and so forth and had I'd reached out to them and said, hey, I have a, a concept <clears throat> for a new book that I'd really like to do and um, I'm having difficulties just trying to, I have all the content and I'm just, something's missing, something's out of place, something just doesn't resonate with me, something, help me. <laughs> and literally it was like a three hour brainstorming session where we kind of rearranged the, the content of the book. And I had extracted, um, I'd say, a quarter of this book from, you could say it's a rewrite or revision. I had written a book in 2010 called What Is Your Life? And I don't know about you, Ron, but have you ever felt like you'd left something unfinished mm -hmm. in your life? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think we all feel like that at some point for something. And this, there was a... Uh, my, I felt my heartstrings were just tugging uh, around this book and that project that I had started in 2010. And I had self-published that book then and, and wasn't confident or wasn't really uh, happy in my core about how the principles in that book really applied and somebody can walk through that and, and come away really changed. And so I had the content for this book and, and we're... <laughs> the, 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 I kept saying over and over and they kept asking me like so what is it you bridge communication between youth and parents bridge 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 and, and that bridge 
coming over and over. And I'm not an architect, so the last thing I'm thinking about is a bridge. You know, <laughs> we're a basketball player, a soccer. I'm thinking sports and kids. You know, and I'm just confused. And it just hit. And that was in 2017. That was that actually was in uh, right around October when it might have been October 10th. To say that um, that 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 acronym really stuck, and so we were able to put together the balance, respect, integrity, discovery, gratitude, empathy, and self esteem. And I really believe that each one of those pillars they do build on each other, and they build a foundation, uh, a, a pillar, if you will. Each one of those pillars then will build that bridge, and in each one of those chapters, you alluded to it. There's a motivational quote. There's a, a quote from somebody that um, I admire, somebody that stands for one of those pillars, and then there's a simple text and exercises, and I'm not sure how much you want me to get into each chapter in particular, but the bridges I thought was a, a good acronym and something that was solid, something that would stand the adversities in life, something we can go back to and say, these are, yeah, they're basic principles. They're life's basic principles, but they're pillars on which I believe that each one of us should stand on. And if we falter, if we fall, we get coerced down a different path. If something trauma or tragic happens in our life and we feel like we're the victim, which often we do, um, or if we feel like we're not good enough or people cheat us, spread rumors or the list goes on and on. We can always go back to each one of these pillars and these principles every, each and every time. If we don't have a sounding board or support system in our life, if we feel all alone, you can go back to any of these pillars, pick it up, and I guarantee that one, if not each one of those, will resonate with a youth, with a young adult, even an adult and a family life. They can always go back to each or any one of these and just kind of recalibrate recalibrate their life and say, okay, I'm going to start anew today. Fresh start. What happened yesterday is in the past. I only have today. Let me live today to the best of my ability. And each one of these will give us motivation and just kind of that grounding force to then, again, uh, just kind of realign our principles and then we'll hopefully forge us forward to leave our own legacy. Yeah. Something that struck me, Nick, in no, not to downplay the seven pillars theme, but you know, there's thousands and thousands of self-help books that have the top ten ways, the top twelve ways, the top fifty ways. Uh, what I, what makes your book very unique in my mind is the framework that you create through the exercises, the activities. The I, I know one of the pillars is discovery, but. Really, I, I look at this whole book, and it, to me, discovery is a constant that, that's going to happen in that. Uh, so that, to me, that's what makes this book such a valuable thing. Obviously, it's something you can use in your coaching practice, but anyone can pick this book up and use this framework to become better. Yes. <laughs> Is that a good pitch for you? <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> and we're done. And we're done. You nailed it. Seen. Thin. Yeah, it, it, Ron, you're exactly right. And um, I'm not 
believe me, I'm the last person to say that I have all the answers. And I, I'm just scratching the surface. Um, but what I've been able to do, hopefully, through this book, if, if, if you're here, if you're on listening today or um, maybe a month from now and you, you come across this podcast, this interview, and something's stirring in your heart, you, just, you know that there's something more to your life. And in the most simplest, I, I wrote it, I'm not, I never looked at myself as a writer, Ron. I always looked at myself as a concept and ideas, man. I was able to put concepts and ideas together and lead teams and leadership. And I believe that there's a lot of leadership principles embedded within this as well. And the way that I wrote it and the way that I put it together was that principle in mind. If I were, if there was uh, one kid in the middle of, let's say, well, Valley City, Ohio, where we grew up. <clears throat> if there was one student, uh, a 13-year-old boy, and he's going through puberty and he's just confused about life and there's so many things, social media and, and so many peer influences and, and chaos in the world, and they're just trying to find their voice. I truly believe that they read this with a parent, without a parent, with a coach, without a coach, all alone, and they followed this book from beginning to end or even picked it up in the middle I would hope that they start from the beginning and go through the end though specifically because I wrote it in terms that everybody can understand I believe that each there's an ebb and flow to how it's put together and this is the way that I coach I coach from balance you know, pillar one all the way to pillar seven, which is building our self-esteem and helping us find our voice in the world. But I think more importantly, even than my own coaching program, um, is that, again, that that one student, that 13-year-old uh, who is just confused or uh, not sure what value that they create, you know, in this world, that they can pick this book up and be inspired. There's the exercises, I think, are not complex. They're just helping us think in ways that the traditionally our society and the news and we can get caught up in this anger and this angst and well, I'm not good enough or there's maybe too many options. And I, uh, again, I, I wrote that so people can start seeing the big picture and start seeing value for who they are and what they create. We celebrate successes in here. I help them realize that, um, you know, Stop trying to be good at everything. It, find your abilities and, and breathe life into those. Um, so there is a systematic approach to it. Yes, it's been really a culmination of 20 years of research and, and listening and attending these conferences and living in that kind of self-help world, so to speak. Um, but believe me, Ron, and when you're in that world, that self-help world, there's always that carrot. <laughs> there's always that carrot where, all right, now... And you're continually growing and growing and growing and growing and growing. There is no complacency. Um, so I believe that this book isn't, there's no carrot in this book. I believe that if you apply these principles and do these exercises, that you can um, then really finding out who you are, who you're becoming, who you want to become. And I think that's very important. I can't remember if I saw this on your Facebook page. I'm, I'm almost certain I did. In American society, there's this tremendous communication void between parents and teenagers. 
I think one of the studies I heard, and I'm, I'm sure I'm not quoting it exactly, but teenagers spend 40 hours a week on TV or the Internet, and they speak to their parents less than 30 minutes a week. And it's something like that. It's The, the statistics are so skewed. Uh, it, partly what you just talked about is kind of an individual focus. How have you been able to work with your clients and weave together communication to bridge, using your words, bridge that bridge that gap between children and their parents? That's a great question. I believe, well, I, I strongly believe, just by working with families for over the course of the time that I have, you're right, Ron. I mean, we are inundated with this quick fix, what's next, swipe, swipe, even on Instagram, Twitter, like just go, 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 fast, 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 input, kind of like a short circuit, I feel like Johnny Five, you know, more input, more <laughs> <Right>. input. <laughs> but what do we do with that? What do we do with that more input? And to use, whether it's misquoted or not, I, I strongly believe in the, the premise that you brought up is that the communication because we're in this quick fix, nothing is good enough mentality in society, uh, parents fall into that trap as well. Um, I work with a lot of parents that, if I'm working with a married couple that I'm working with their, their son or daughter, they're just having a hard time breaking through. That's been the number one thing. Whether the parents have been divorced or whether the parents are together, there's still that, that common theme of how do I relate to my son or daughter and they're almost appalled because they're spending so much time on the internet or on all their apps on their phone um, you know TV just screen time yet <laughs> almost 90% of the time the parents are doing the same thing and yet they're wondering why they're not communicating with their son or daughter and at dinner time where when we grew up, out, everybody always says that. Oh, when we grew up, times were different. <laughs> we can laugh at that, and it's true though. I mean, it was. We had dinner and we talked. Hey, how was your day? Oh, it was fine. No, what'd you do? You know, how's hey, how's your friend Ron? Did you beat him again on the basketball court? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but it was it was dialogue, it was communication, and so what I. In this book, let's put together in bridging that communication gap. I wrote it so that a parent has a basis to start that communication with their son or daughter. Here, here's a roadmap in order to start opening dialogue on questions and life that, and um, you know, you know, things that matter in our life. It's you don't have to start the conversation with "How was your day today." You can start the conversation as a parent now, which I've done, is, hey, let's go through this book together. Balance. You know, one set of pillars is building a solid foundation bridge to have good balance. Your life will change from time to time. You know, you can read this along with your son or daughter. It's a great exercise. It's not invasive. It's, it's personal, correct, but it's all about goal setting and finding compassion. But there's the way that I wrote it and the way that um, – it's an invitation. It's an invitation to have those conversations 
And it's an invitation for the parents to be a little vulnerable, to get a little transparent. If they walked through this together as a family or one parent with the kid as a mentor or as a coach with that student, man, they would find that the parent or the coach, the adult would learn just as much as the student would, as the child would, as the kid would, because there's a sense of not when I was your age. We started with that, right, Ron? When I was your age, when we were back, back then things were different. Okay, but we're not there now. We're in 2018. Things are different. They're fast, and, and we've lost that sense of communication. I'm hoping that when people read through this book that they find that there's a way to start communicating now, and there's principles within this and exercises that they can do together. They can do separately. They can do together. But the point being... It really does bridge that communication gap. And I think at the end, you start realizing that they are more valuable, that they have a voice, that they have um, talents and abilities, that they have goals, that they have dreams, that they have aspirations that they didn't know they had. I just had a coaching session last night, um, and I do it at a local coffee shop where we'll walk the beach and we'll spend 30 minutes just kind of talking about life and celebrating successes. And I encourage all parents to celebrate successes in their son or daughter's life on a daily basis. Don't wait till they bring home a trophy. Don't wait till they win the state cup or the title or win that wrestling match or win that cheerleading competition that they flew all the way down to Florida and spent thousands of dollars. And it's not about pumping money in all these programs and pumping money into these uh, activities that will make their son or daughter feel better for, the, for that moment. Those are all great. But if we celebrate the successes and what the value that we create on a daily basis is. Man, imagine a world that's loving and, and uplifting and challenging and encouraging. <clears throat> so, again, I think I specifically wrote it with the intention, each pillar at the end of each chapter, that there's six days of just journaling, morning gratitude, and an evening reflection. And I think if nothing else... That's a great starting spot. Even if you didn't want to read the chapter, didn't want to do any exercises. If you just, as a parent, as a family, started every morning with five things you're grateful for and end the evening with five things you learned in that lesson for that day, that would really start changing the family dynamic in America, in the world. Well said. I have nothing to add to that. That's that's awesome. Uh, Nick, how, if people want to learn more about the Nick Petro Company, what are some ways they can reach out to you? And I will put all these in the show notes as well. Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, you can go to my MySpace account. Uh, just. I was going to say, you got to be joking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, my company is it's my, it's nickpetrocompany.com. And... In that, on that site, again, nickpetrocompany.com, I have links. I have a personal, you can send me an email. It goes right to me personally. Uh, there's a Facebook, um, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, all those kind of social media sites embedded within that site. So I think that's the best. If you go back to the website, there's a lot of information uh, about my speaking engagements, about my life coaching program, about actually ordering a book, too, if they'd like. Uh, and just you can sign up for the newsletter that way as well. I'll keep you informed with incentives and quotes and motivational stories and things. I'm just now uh, going to be more consistent with that newsletter and hopefully just 
giving and providing value for people's lives. That's great. Thank you. Uh, any parting words of wisdom for the audience? Find your purpose, find your passion, get out there and live life. Doesn't get better than that. Thank you. Well, thank you for tuning in to the Outstanding Ohioan Show. Today, my guest was Nick Petro, and he's a life coach, speaker, and author, and runs the Nick Petro Company. Please check out the show notes to follow up on all the links that he provided to reach out to Nick. Thank you for listening. Have a great day.